Hello, hello, and welcome to the Next Level Loan Officers Podcast, the number one podcast for loan officers by loan officers with real originators in the trenches, just like you every single day. If they can go there, how come I can't go there? Well, you can't. Like if you don't water your plants, you don't have future crops. You can't feed your family. You can't make a living. This is watering your crops. You have to find your community and you have to dig in. If it wasn't for you guys, I can tell you, probably my trajectory would have been a completely different one. We'll see you on the next Next Level Loan Officers podcast. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Next Level Loan Officers podcast, uh, written and produced and directed by originators for originators in any market, up or down. I'm here with one of my founders and co-hosts and business partners, Sean Zalmanoff, who is also an active mortgage originator. What's up, my man? Man, you know, it's been a fun year looking forward as I look back and I look forward, I, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for so many things. Uh, I'm grateful for the reality check that the universe and God hands us at times to uh, make us remember how fortunate we are that, you know, 4% of people are blessed to be born in the United States of America and uh, excited that I get to build on the fundamentals of my business. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today and, and really break down parts of a client and parts of a transaction uh, to help everybody work on their businesses. They move forward into the new year. Yeah, what we've been seeing a lot of, and I would ask everyone on the call to to just look at your own process. What What I see a lot of is people coming up with ideas. That's a thought or a suggestion as to a possible course of action. To me, I don't like vague. I don't like incomplete. And we have a lot of originators out there who come up with a lot of ideas. And if you're on this call and this resonates with you, give me a virtual thumbs up. When you have an originator where you go, hey, I'm looking for a new idea. I want to generate more business. And then somebody who you know is unsuccessful starts you know, kind of spouting off all these ideas. Oh, you should try this and you should try this. And you're like, man, I like that guy's not making any money or that gal's not consistently winning. Why should I listen to their idea? Whereas I would argue that what we need to do a lot more of, a lot less ideas, a lot more strategy. You know, strategy is it's a plan of action, right? This is something that you have a, a specific tangible goal. There's an outcome you want to hit. And that drives your behavior. It drives your actions. And so today, what we want to do is, and this is going to turn into probably a four-part series on the seasons of a client, seasons of a customer. And I would articulate and argue there are four distinct seasons. And, and what I mean by that is there are different strategies and actions, ATMs, that are necessary to move the football down the field. Different for a lead versus a pre-approval. Different from a client who's under contract than somebody who's closed on their home loan. And quite frankly, we could add another season, which would be like a referral partner. And then you could break that down in all the different seasons of a referral partner, a new referral partner, an established referral partner, a dwindling referral partner. The things that you need to do with these people, the strategies are very different. And for far too long, we have been non-strategic idea creators that live based on what the market gives the average. 
And that's not a strategy for success. You and I have felt that over the last 12 to 24 months, the difference for people who have strategies versus ideas. Well, you know, when the industry is doing 4 trillion versus, I don't know, 1.7 or 2 trillion, like you can really just fumble your way through it because loans fall out of the sky <clears throat> everywhere. You know, yep. we, we focused a lot earlier. And if, if you guys did not listen to our five, four, three, two, one uh, strategy and what we do to, to really get in front of clients, leads, uh, which would really dovetail specifically into to the section that we're, we're talking about today with leads and, and, and how to nurture them, you know, because one of the things that, that I don't think people think about Shane and, you know, you're big on social media. I do a lot to, to engage with people, you know, like I referred a deal to a buddy in another state a couple of weeks ago and this random dude reached out to me and guys, when I do my reels and all that stuff, I don't get like thousands of likes. Shoot, I don't get dozens of likes, man. It, it says, you know, a few thousand people watch my videos. Cool, that that's great. But I don't get tons of engagement. But the thing is, is that people are watching. So this guy calls me and he's like, hey, I'm looking for a loan here. And like, it's like this $900,000 purchase. And I'm like, well, I'm not licensed there, but I got a buddy. So so let me hook you up. And, but I'm, I'm like, where'd you find me? He's like, I follow you on social media. I'm like, kind of have an idea because I don't have, again, that many thousands of people engaging with my stuff, never, ever engage, ne never engage on anything, but they're watching, they're consuming your content. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so, so many people that are leads for us that we need to think about. I mean, they're so far in the top end of the funnel that we don't even realize their their lead because it's not like Bob called and said, "Hey Shane, you know I got this great client. He's going to give you a ring." I mean, that, that's that is a lead, but there there's people way further outside of your reach that with today's technology and social media that we have a huge opportunity to be able to get in front of to pull that business down who don't have realtors that we can then re refer and grow our other buckets of business. Well, I think that's a great point, and and. I didn't even think about that when we were kind of putting the show notes together, but you're right. First and foremost, like the five, four, three, two, one, that like kind of five part set of actions that you should be committed to doing daily. A lot of that is like the tip of the spear for lead generation. And it's not the traditional, you know, definition of lead generation. It's not buying a, you know, a lead because a, a lead, what, what is a lead? Well, that is really anyone that should, would, could become a client, right? And and what used to be, you know, when I started in 09, I, I partnered, I, I say I partnered, I got a lot of leads from Redfin. And these people had already gone through the lead maturation process. They were already with an agent. And so like, that's like, it's like saying I'm, I'm having, like my wife and I are having a baby and out pops a 17 and a half year old, right? <laughs> like they're ready to go. They come to me and like, they're like, Hey, we got all this done. We've probably already been pre-approved elsewhere. We're making an offer this weekend. And I'm like, Oh crap. I'm behind. It's very different. Now we are taking the stork, dropping the baby into my lap from, from birth to 18 years. And so that process of maturing a lead is very different. Now, what I would argue there's four seasons, I think. There's a lead, a pre-approval, a client, and a post-closed a post consumer. 
your sphere of influence. I actually think that first season, it's really not, I wouldn't call it the lead season. I call it the trust building season. Because think about this, for example, I'll share, like, I'll just give you an example. So I like shoes. I'm kind of getting into shoes. Like it's the only thing I'm kind of getting into <clears throat> and just a little bit, like I'm, I'm old, I'm late to the shoe game. So the shoes that I think are cool, all the kids are saying are no longer cool. I saw this reel of all the people saying what shoe is not cool. And it's the, shoe I, Nike. it's the shoe I just got. Right. So, <laughs> so imagine if you went to a footlocker and you walked into the footlocker and I did this cause I was speaking in Vegas at a convention and I needed new shoes. Like my shoes were looking ass. I was like, I need new shoes. So I went to the shoe store. And it was like shoe wizard or footlocker or something like that. And I walk in and there are like a hundred shoes on the wall, all lit up, every option, color, shape, and size. And I start to like really kind of like focus in on a couple of shoes. Imagine if there were no prices. And so I go up to the, to this wall of shoes. And I go, man, I really love that Panda Nike dunk mid, low, high, whatever the thing's called. Right. And then the guy, and I go, Hey, what's this cost? And the salesman says, Oh, well, before we talk price, um, actually, can I see your driver's license? I'm like, well, that's kind of weird. Okay. And he's, and then I'm like, I give my license. He goes, I go, well, Hey, what's it cost? Go, well, before we really get into price, can you watch this brief five minute video? This actually a 30 minute video and then fill out this questionnaire that's short, but actually kind of confusing. And then we're gonna go. And then maybe when we're done, I'll tell you the price or why don't you just like, I'll put the shoes on hold for you. You walk around the mall for six weeks and then I'll tell you the price after you're wearing the shoes and you can't return them. That's what we do to our leads by not giving them the full information up front. And I think this is something that the industry has done a disservice to consumers. I think we've lost sight of us as consumers in any other experience, what we would expect to have very early on in the process. We don't quote rates soon enough. And so as I'm looking at strategies that I would highly suggest originators focus on when you're working on leads. Now, we talked about the 54321, how to get in front of more people, how to become a brand. And, and I'm like you, I like I made the decision to stop actively originating this year. And I, I, I refer deals out to my, my um, loan officers on my team, but I'm still licensed. I get a referral, like a solid dialed in great, like organic lead, a 17 and a half year old once a week. And I'm like you, I, I have a decent following online. I, I put work into it, but I'm not spending eight hours a day building my online presence. I'm getting verified, bona fide leads ready to go because of my social media. So I, I do think that you need to go back to that, watch the 54321, really dig in on authentic engagement, authentic branding. But trust is so important. If you do the 54321 and then you don't effectively build trust once you've in interacted with that lead, you're going to lose, right? And so like, I just would highly recommend as soon as you have that opportunity, sharing your, your cost to acquire your product, which is a mortgage. And there's a lot of great ways to do that. Whether you're using a, a really dialed in LOS that has great comparisons tools, a mortgage coach an MBS highway. There's a lot of awesome tools out there and I wish we got sponsored, but we don't, we don't get those for free. So we're just telling you what we as originators use and I've used for over a decade, but that trust building is so important and, and sharing the cost of acquiring that home and doing it in a really unique way is huge. Now I would argue, and then I want to go to you, Sean. I think the second part of how we build trust 
is just, we talked about presence, right? So that was just kind of a, a default going into this conversation. You have to have a presence online. You, you like, you cannot go into 2024 and beyond without having an emphasis on your online presence. Hey, before, before you understand the, the second part of this, like I want to talk about just one thing online. So I do these mastermind luncheons with realtors and one of the realtors who was there recently, uh, she's expecting another child. It's going to be her third child. And she was like, you know, <clears throat> I don't like to really bring my kids into the business or talk about it because I'm afraid people aren't going to use me because, you know, I'm a mom and I'm just like, hey, listen, like, you know, I love my two boys more than I love anything else uh, or could ever love anything else on this planet. And like, if you go on my social feeds, like they're on it, they're a part of it. Uh, if I'm answering a phone call, I'm like, Hey, listen, you might hear a couple screaming kids in the background because I've got two ninjas. And so like embrace who you are now, if you're very political or something like that, I, I would argue against that, but Hey, that even works for some people. But like, if you're a mom, if you're a dad, if you're a mountain biker, uh, you know, embrace those things because that everybody's looking at you. How many people do you look at when you get information on somebody? Where do you go? You go to Facebook and you type in their name. They're doing the same thing to you. And so like, oh man, this dude likes to hike trails, fish, and is always with his kids. I can relate to him or, hey, he's nice. Like, I want to do business with somebody like that. So just don't hide those things. All right, Shane, go on. To the no, no, it's a great caveat. And, and I would say what you like, what you do, what you spend your time on outside of work should be what you show online, right? N nobody wants to work with a suit and tie high rise financial planner, right? Nobody wants to work with a guy carrying a briefcase anymore. And, and I say that obviously if you're looking for a lawyer, if you're looking for somebody in that realm, you absolutely do. We work in a relationship industry. This is a people industry. And it's so important that you build an, a truly authentic, no BS presence online. And I say this all the time. Hey, what you see of me online is the exact same thing you see of me in person. I was at a Seahawks game the other day and I accidentally ate a vegan hot dog, right? And it was the most disgusting thing ever. It, it's probably worse than torture. And I posted it online and people were laughing, but somebody would be offended by that. That's 100% true. The reality is they'd also be offended with me in real life, <laughs> right? So absolutely build that. That's a huge part of building trust in the lead season because you're right. People are going to search you out online after they've been introduced to you if they haven't met you before they were introduced to you. Mm. And, and that's huge. Now, we talked about this price transparency I would argue, and it doesn't matter whether you're in retail, the broker space, a banker, you have to sell the product that you have to offer. If you work at Nike versus working at Skechers, you're selling what you're selling. And if you don't like the product you're selling, then you shouldn't be selling your product, right? But if you're, a four, if you're selling four trucks and you don't like four trucks and you drive a Chevy, you should get a job at Chevy. But you need to be pushing your product, whatever that product is. And if you're not willing to do that, that's a different conversation you have with yourself. So I highly recommend the minute you get off that call with a client for the very first time, that lead, send them a accurate and competitive rate quote based on assumables and communicate that, right? Because if you're not, Quicken, everybody else is actively doing that and they are marketing to your people and giving them the data that you're not giving them. So fill that vacuum. 
kind of that last piece and the second component is really dialing in your process. As you're going through the process of generating leads, we got to get away from idea and we got to get to strategy. I highly recommend it. Sean, I want to get kind of some of the things you're doing in your process of generating leads. For me, there's a couple things that are, are in vogue that were maybe out of, of practice in the past. And that's building newsletters, building blog posts, like generating content that's going to really start to educate the consumer, right? Because although it's about trust, it's also about education. And that kind of bleeds into that second season, which is the pre-approval season, that pre-qualification season. They got a lot of questions, but it's so important with chat GPT and other AI tools, what used to be super labor intensive to write in a good blog post now can be done in 15 minutes. Chat GPT for a minute, create the framework, dial in that framework, make it authentic, make it you, make it accurate, make it timely, make it geographically representative of your audience. But I think it's so important to be building things out in your lead process to start to really gather market share much earlier in the process. Well, I say not, I mean to, to one up you, but I'm, I'm going to one up you on the whole chat GPT thing here. Like you guys, if you, we, we talked about recording video, so yes, you take your video, you put it into some software like loom that can transcribe it for you. Yes. And then you throw that into chat GPT with the correct command prompts to give it a, um, to, to make it sound like you and, and, and then you've got it. So like you can not only just repurpose content between LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and wherever you're posting, you can take that same thing and turn it in to something else. And, you know, and, and now, I mean, shoot, you don't even, you can do it all inside of chat GPT because Dolly's inside of it too. So it will, it'll give you the picture and it'll give you everything, which <clears throat> frankly is so much better than when I used to go be say, Hey, here's my, here's my picture, create a picture for this. Now I'm just telling it to create a picture for that blog post above. And so my, even that with, with all the integrations in chat GPT four have been a huge upgrade for what I've been doing. You're hundred percent right. And I think that another thing, you know, we talk about social five, four, three, two, one, but what do you, what do you do? Right. And we, we talk about this a lot. So we kind of just gloss over it here, but creating video uh, that's educational, that's informative, right? is super important, but how do you do that on a limited budget with a limited, you know, schedule? And, and one of the things you're doing, you talked about transcribing your video and, and hundred percent, I mean, zoom, you could, you could, you could record it on zoom and use fathom note taker. I mean, there's a lot of Opus pro is a great tool that will take a longer video, chop it up into shorter videos. What I highly recommend for those of you who are looking to have a strategy of repurposing content. That's a part of your process now. Like, what do I do and how do I take one thing, one action that matters, compress time and get three or four outcomes out of that one action? And so to your point, you could record a 15-minute video discussing with somebody kind of the process of, you know, acquiring a home. Or you could do a five-step video on working with investors. Then you can chop that up make it into short form content. You can use a note taker like Fathom to then also create a blog post. And, and what you're doing, which is really cool, is you're doing Zoom calls with one of our great partners at Be Legendary and Win Social. And now you're taking a 30-minute video 
done every so often and chopping that up into dozens of short form videos that are authentic, build trust, build engagement. And it's one action, numerous results. Yeah. I mean, the cool thing is that that he, he does it for me. And then, you know, I have a couple people that work with me in my office and so they get the videos and then I've trained them. Here's how you go to ChatGBT. Here's how you do this. And so I get content that's now getting posted to all my social media platforms and everything for me for, you know, just what, what Dan hooks me up for with that and, and be lonely. Pennies on the dollar. Uh, the other thing that, that I do, so like you get these leads, some of them, and some of the things that from like, it's not definitive, like that everything you do in the lead stage, you do nothing of it in the pre-approval stage. So, so there is some overlap. But one thing, like if you're interested in buying a house and I have your information, you are going to get a market update from me every Friday. And I don't care if you watch it. I don't care if you don't. A lot of people actually watch it. It's probably one of the highest things that I that I get engagement on with the interest rate environments that we've been in for, for the last few years. But like, hey, here's what happened in the market. Here's why. I try to break it down. Like, you know, one of the things that I talk about sometimes, like I'm probably the coolest nerd you ever met because I can actually... Uh, most of the time, uh, talk to you in a way that you can understand that as a consumer and break it down so it makes sense. And that allows me to to brand myself as the expert as, as they're hearing whatever information about rates or some posts that, you know, home prices are going to drop 12% next year. And I, I can just be like, hey, listen, you might've seen this. This is trash. And here's why this is trash. And explain a little supply and demand or, hey, the Fed met last week. And although they kept rates the same, uh, rates actually went down and, and here's why, or here's how the consumer price index or like I break all of those things down. And the cool thing is, is that the cycle repeats itself every single month. So like, you know, there's always something to talk about. Even if the data didn't move the markets, I can still talk about that data. Now, when I first started doing these, these were three or four minute long, uh, um, pieces of content and, and I've gotten really good because I do like putting it on, on YouTube for the shorts. You know, I've gotten really good about making that 56 or 57 seconds. Cause first of all, people don't want to listen that long. Uh, but second, you get a lot more exposure that way too. That is something that, you know, for people that I happen to not talk to for four or eight months between time, my fault, not theirs, that keeps me in front of them. I was just at, you know, just, we're just through holiday season. I was at a Christmas party and uh, one of my realtor's houses and this guy came up to me. He's like, Hey, you know, I'm so-and-so. And it like, he saw it in my eyes. Cause he called me out on it 30 minutes, like 30 seconds later. He was like, he's like, you didn't know who I was at first. And he was like, yeah, we, he was, I was like, yeah, we've had just one zoom together. He's like, I see your videos every week. So they're watching and it helps. Well, so what you're discussing, I think, is a nurture campaign. Yes. What is your campaign for nurturing people through the process? And you're right. That's kind of that vein that goes through all four seasons. Like when a client's under contract, your nurturing is very different, right? Now, you don't want to overwhelm them with market data because it will confuse them. It might cause them to want to pivot midstream because you said something about something that was different than when they were originally under contract. After closing, nurturing is different, but you're right. Those first two seasons, I think especially, those leads and those pre-approvals and agents love getting updates, summarizations of what's going on in the market that could or would or should impact them. And I love that. Uh, that's so guys, a whole other podcast we can talk about. 
And, and, and you're 100% right on just that authenticity, authenticity building that you do online is so scalable and you don't realize the impact until you bump into somebody that you don't remember, but they remember you. And I'll, I'll leave, I'll, I'll leave with this. And then I want you to close this out yesterday. Cause you, you reminded me of this yesterday. I had a gal who I did a zoom with and for my company, we're opening up this like growth strategy, this recruiting thing. And she saw me online. She said, Hey, let's connect. I know all these people, blah, blah, blah. We should meet. I'm like, cool. And I looked her up and I'm like, she's a title rep in the past. I'm like, ah, I probably know her. We get on zoom. She says, you don't remember me, but 10 years ago, we met with this. I worked with this other main title rep in our market. We were over at this resort community. The other title rep had a home there. We actually grabbed wine with your wife and you. And I'm thinking like, I don't remember this at all. And, and then she, as she's telling me, I'm like, oh, I do remember this. I thought she was somebody totally different from a, a different experience. And she goes, I watch everything you do. I love your brand. I think it's so on point, et cetera, et cetera. And again, it wasn't about the compliments, right? Because compliments don't equal cash. It's just a compliment. What I loved was it was a reminder that you never know who's watching you. This wasn't a gal that like for the last 10 years has been commenting. In the last three months, I've seen her comment. In the last three weeks, I've seen her engaging more. And she is a networker and an influencer and runs a entrepreneur business coaching platform. She knows a lot of originators. She's somebody I want in my sphere of influence. And again, like you, I actually have done a pretty poor job of consistent follow-up throughout my career, right? What I've done, and I would say an excellent job compared to my peers is engaging online. And like that is the, that is the flywheel concept at its finest. You do something for a certain length of time. People know who you are. When you post in the future, you're confirming what they already know about you to be true and authentic. It either supports what you're doing and that they want to be around you more or it filters them out so they don't waste your time. It's so important. Hey guys, so we've been doing this podcast for you uh, for half of a decade now. So if this is moving the, the needle for you, you want to hear the next three in this series, do me a favor, you know, go to Spotify or iTunes or Stitcher. Uh, go leave us a nice review. Give us a few stars behind that. Give us five stars. Give behind us five it, stars, you know? not a few, not a few. <laughs> not a few. Uh, and we look forward uh, to what everything that last year that we brought to you, everything new that we're bringing as well. And just remember like these tides change quickly fortunate to remember the good times of past. I'm fortunate that, you know, life has dealt us what we have now, but, but there are good times ahead. You keep doing the work, your actions that matter. You'll succeed. Shane, it's always a pleasure. I'm Sean Salmanoff. Peace out friends. Thanks, guys.